Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. Today, we want to explore the patient's perspective on prostate cancer, what holds men back from screening and treatments, and the sexual implications of both prostate cancer and the treatments. We've covered just how common prostate cancer is for men, and this episode will be relevant to the many listeners that we have. Even if you do not have prostate cancer or it's something that you do never develop over the lifespan, there are principles of sexuality and relationships that can apply to everybody. Today, we are joined by Mr. Shane Norris, a survivor of prostate cancer, who will be sharing some of his experiences and insights. Shane, thank you very much for joining us. Hi, Mark. Thank you. So to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And then we want to hear, hear a little bit about your diagnosis of prostate cancer. Uh, sure. A little bit about myself. Um, I'm currently a, I'm a, a music producer. I'm also an electrical contractor for music festivals. Um, I work in feature film. I do lighting as well. And uh, uh, just uh, I, I do a lot. And like I said, I do a lot of festivals and um, for music and food and promoting uh, uh, the culture of New Orleans and the music uh, that, that we provide all the world with. So. Okay, and that's that's currently where you're where you're living in the New Orleans area. Yes, uh, my my family's been in New Orleans since 1748. Uh, I think it's 13th generation now. Yeah, uh, I, lo- I love this place, and uh, um, I'm I'm glad that I'm, I'm glad I get to be uh, part of my uh, ancestors' history. Actually, yeah, that does sound pretty amazing. So, Shane, can you can you share with the listeners how old are you? Are you currently in a relationship? <laughs> Uh, I'm 62 years old. I am not currently in a in a committed relationship. I, I live by myself. Well, I live on my dog, and uh, uh, that's about it, really. I, as far as relationships go, I, I have a lot. We have a lot of friends. We have a very, very large uh, community of people in the music community here, especially uh, uh, for funk style music and uh, and local music. And uh, so I'm very active in all of that. I'm active in a couple of charities as well. And uh, um, just mainly promoting New Orleans and uh, it's and that and electrical work. And yeah, so we, I mean, something the listeners can already gather from this is that post diagnosis and treatment of prostate cancer, your your life has continued to move forward. Um, you continue to remain very active within your community. Now, yeah. at the time yes. of your diagnosis, how old were you? Uh, I was sixty years old when I was first diagnosed in uh, March. 2020, uh, third week of the pandemic shutdown. Wow. So can you just give us a little bit of insight? What was that like? Uh, I, I'll go a little bit in the future for the very, the, the year before that, I just, I'd had two shoulder surgeries, had had my bicep reattached twice to a injury working on a film. And I had a whole year of not being able to work or uh, uh, use my right arm too much. And I had about 10 days to go. And uh, all of a sudden we're in a pandemic. And um, I've been doing some uh, uh, testing because I have fevers of unknown origin. And I have fevers that just go out of control for no reason. And we were trying to figure out what was causing them. 
and they started noticing my PSA was going up. So three weeks into the pandemic, I uh, was diagnosed with prostate cancer, medically urgent, which is very, very strange to go. Uh, I went into the imaging building here in New Orleans uh, at Ochsner, and it's a huge multi-story building. There were three people in there, me, the receptionist, and the technologist. And I had to go through uh, everything I've, I, I did uh, cancer-wise, I did during the pandemic. So it was extremely difficult to get. It was really hard to do anything at all, as you can well imagine. Plus, everybody's terrified that you're going to catch COVID and, 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 and die in the beginning of it. And um, yep. and if I recall correctly, New Orleans was one of the um, one of the hardest hit cities in the first yes. go round of the pandemic. Is that is that correct? It's absolutely true, because we were having Mardi Gras right, right. in the middle of it. And um, and uh, we were hit really, really hard. Nobody really realized it was uh, COVID. I would start as really bad flu and, uh, but we came out of it really good. Everybody, uh, wore their mask and did everything they were supposed to do. I mean, we are a city that deals with, uh, plague. We've had, uh, wiped out our population three times in this history from yellow fever. So we're kind of used to that, but every time we come back up, people from Texas and Florida would show up and then we would go right back down. We get our COVID would spike again. So uh, it was really tough. Definitely really, really challenging. Bad. And in the midst of all of this, you're going through testing and eventually treatment, which we'll hear a little bit more about. Now you mentioned that you were diagnosed oh, with, with a medically urgent prostate cancer. Can, can you help our listeners understand what that means? Well, they, uh, we be doing the testing for other things. We're watching the PSA kind of creep up and, um, a little bit of time went by and it jumped to like 5.8, which is, you know, over the limit. And then, uh, so my doctor, uh, wanted to do a different type of test on it. And she had that sent in and it almost doubled to 10.1. And that became, uh, medically urgent at that point. Okay. So who, who were your support systems at the time? Uh, I just had some friends on, on, uh, online basically nobody uh, i didn't have any support system physically at all okay i did I, I, I did it all by myself now you went through this process alone in the midst of covid which was really really yeah. challenging now did you in any way delay the screening process or the treatment process or this kind of came about because they were testing for other things and then things rapidly move towards treatment. I, I delayed treatment. Uh, I delayed the uh, suggested treatment by quite a bit. I, um, w- once we did the MRI and then uh, it was obvious cancer was there and then we did the biopsy and it was more obvious, obviously by then, um, I was given two choices, radiation or radical pr- prostatectomy. And I started doing research on alternative methods and I chose uh, laser ablation, which was not an FDA approved thing. I started a GoFundMe and I had it all arranged. I collected about half the money I needed, two thirds, had it all arranged and ready to go to have laser ablation done in Galveston, Texas. And they had a hurricane. I couldn't go. I had to postpone it a week. And I went to see my surgeon in the interim and found out they were doing high intensity focal ultrasound now at Ochsner. They've become the fourth hospital in the nation to do it. I immediately canceled uh, the laser in Galveston and rescheduled it uh, here in New Orleans for myself at Ochsner Hospital to do this with ultrasound in order to get around 
doing radiation or a radical prostatectomy. Uh, you were yeah. looking to do laser. You ended up doing um, HIFU, correct? Right. And um, HIFU is even, uh, to me, seemed to be even better because it, uh, uh, the laser required a small incision. Uh, the HIFU required zero incisions. I'd actually gotten accepted to the uh, National Institute of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, to do clinical trials on the laser ablation, but I couldn't afford the plane plane flights during uh, COVID to go up there, and that that's why I I I started doing research and uh, and um, man, and that seems I'm, like I'm the, so glad like, I did. Yes, yeah. So, can you share your thoughts, or or maybe even give us a little bit of insight into the psychology of a man who's faced with obviously having to go, certainly in your situation, having to go ahead and do something about these rising PSA levels, the concern about, you know, the prostate cancer growth um, and the fear of incontinence, the fear of potentially losing or having a severely impacted sexual function. Can you kind of just take us into that experience a little bit? I I can. I, um, Although I wasn't in an active relationship, I, I did have a, a a a person on the phone. We had a, a you know sort of you know a thing on the phone, a relationship. Mm-hmm. She's also a registered nurse up in Salem, and so um, we we talked about a lot of that about the possibility of of the probability that it was going to have. And it, I was just more and more like I, I'm going to try this other thing because it's it doesn't sound like it doesn't sound like the regular procedures are worth doing um it even if the same things happened with the haifu then at least i gave it a shot and at least i got ahead i get to know that that uh that i didn't just take the worst stuff right off the bat and um so she was always there uh to talk to me about it but when i canceled the actual I had scheduled the uh, prostatectomy with my doctor just just because, but when I canceled it and started doing the GoFundMe, she she got really mad at me. It wouldn't talk to me. She thought it was uh, a really stupid thing to do, and uh, there was no you know there's no no information on all of this. There's no research on it, and uh, I told her I said I had to do this. I have to do this, and um, and then later, when she'd done a lot of her own research on it on Medscape, and I got the GoFundMe started and had money coming in, she, she changed her mind completely. And she was fully supportive of it. And, uh, and she said, uh, I was really mad at you. So I thought you, I, I had given up on you. I thought you were just going to not do anything. You were going to die of cancer. And she said, I was really wrong. And I apologize for that. And uh, Yeah, and it sounds, uh, it sounds like she was concerned that um, the understandable avoidance um, mm-hmm. some of the other treatments may have been what was going on for you. Like you were searching for, um, you know, types of uh, treatments that were almost like snake oil. And she really was worried that you were going to put your life at risk ultimately. Yes. Um, and, and at the time this was a, a, a newer, uh, treatment option available here in the United States, if I'm not mistaken. Um, right. and it was pretty costly and not FDA approved. Round. Twenty to thirty thousand dollars is what it would cost to do that on your own. Yeah, and, it's and, not and, and since then, has this? Are you are you familiar if this treatment has been FDA approved? It's still in the clinical trials, but I, I can't see why it wouldn't be. Okay, 
saying it's still in the clinical trial. So to that end, can you share with our our listeners what the outcome of your treatment was? Uh, The outcome of my treatment, uh, Mark, was as good as it gets. I have zero erectile dysfunction. Everything works fantastic. I have zero incontinence. I um, occasionally have to, I have to pee a lot more than, than normal. I have the urge to pee a lot more than normal. About every 20 minutes or so, I'll, I'll get an urge. But uh, practice the Kegel exercises, and uh, rarely is that, is that ever an issue either. Uh, not, it, couldn't, it could not have turned out better, period. could not have turned out better. And all you have to do, whoever's watching this and listening to this, man, all you have to do is get a blood test once a year. Once a year, there's nothing to this to save your life and save your sex life, especially in your in your confidence, your ego. Man, I can't tell you. I, I just can't tell you how 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 many things that it 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 preserves in a man to uh, to know that you you don't that you have a chance to not have to have that or deal with that or you know deal with depends the rest of your life or, or whatever you know. I mean, a blood test, a PSA blood test. Yeah. And high food. And if you find it, high food immediately. Leading up to and during the treatment and then post-treatment, did you encounter um, any challenges? A lot of times men don't necessarily have physical challenges, but there is um, some angst, anxiety, some worry, whether it's regarding the cancer diagnosis or the potential of negative impacts on sexual function. Did you find that you were avoiding sexual activity in any way or um, were worried about your performance during that time period? Well, when it first, uh, after the first, uh, after the uh, procedure was done, uh, I had to wear a catheter for about seven days. So obviously uh, nothing there, but about, a few days after the catheter came out, two to three days, I got an erection. And so at that point, I was like, oh, well, this is really great, man. You know, like I didn't, you know, I'm not sure why, but I don't remember why. But uh, like, wow, you know, I didn't have to. It's normal. And and uh, so a few days after that, they uh, they have you take Cialis in order to increase blood flow to in order to increase the healing. And then um, so uh, I hadn't been taking a Cialis yet at that point I, I didn't take it very much either uh i didn't have to and uh you uh the only other challenge is it takes a while uh you have to masturbate a lot in order to get the blood out of the seminal fluid yeah but once that was once that was gone it took a couple of weeks uh a very little fluid that comes out uh, the the uh the, the uh um orgasm uh, everything all of that feels exactly the same except maybe a two drops of, of fluid will come out now, which is actually more pleasant than I would imagine for your partner to not. And uh, uh, I have it. Uh, no, I've had zero problems. And the first time in the bedroom, it was uh, no problems at all. None at all. Okay. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure the men listening to this are going to feel, are going to mm-hmm. feel relief knowing that yeah. um, there are treatment options out there that really can minimize the impact. And, you know, for men, many men who are concerned about their, um, you know, their sexual well-being and their, their sex life, uh, to know that there are options out there and that prostate cancer does not have to be uh, equated um, with poor sexual function. 
um, is relieving to know. It's also important to be aware that with many of the available treatments, um, there many men do make a full sexual recovery. Um, Some do carry higher risks than others, um, but many of these uh, treatment options, and certainly every man should consult with his doctor uh, for a prostate cancer diagnosis, many of these treatments can be effective without um, too much sexual challenge. Of course, there are things that that, uh, do go wrong, um, and there are some unwanted side effects with certain treatments. Now, Shane, just kind of shifting gears for a moment. Now, post uh, your diagnosis and treatment, um, from what I understand, you became a little bit of of an advocate um, for men's health and for health in general. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about um, your advocacy efforts? Oh, uh, sure. Um, Because uh, a long time ago, I decided I would not let this sort of thing uh, embarrass me to talk about. this had to do with uh, sexual abuse m- much further in my life, but uh, I made a decision that I wasn't going to be embarrassed about any of that. I wasn't going to let it define me, and I wasn't going to let it make me feel like I wasn't uh, uh, equal or whatever. And uh, so I just, I just talked to, to men about this, like off out of the out of the box. Nobody asked me to do it. And I was like, man, you got to get your PSA. Well, because I did, the, I was the first person in Louisiana to have this procedure done. And uh, they they brought in a team of doctors and somebody from Cincinnati to show them. And because of uh, my, I think because of my enthusiasm, um, that and I didn't mind joking with my button here in the in the surgery room. Uh, uh, they just they asked me to do uh, an interview with um, uh, our local TV station WDSU, which I did a medical thing with Meg Ferris, and they loved it. And they and ever since they have, the uh, people have asked me, can you, would you mind talking about this? Would you mind doing this? And I, no, I don't mind at all. I want men to be able to, it, it, you got to drop that macho thing, man. This is, that's just silly. That's just ridiculous. And then make sure that, that you go get your PSA and tests everywhere. And then, uh, Oshner also asked me, uh, I'm part of a, a huge, uh, Oshner commercial program, a, a you know, a, a, a advertising for Oshner services and uh so now uh, my face is on billboards and things and uh which really was really odd to me i'm usually behind the camera not in front of it and uh it's, it's just it's just kind of ballooned and i just agree to do it like like with you mark uh i took a minute to get it all set up but i'm, I'm all for it if they can make a man i like not die from this it is mm-hmm. this stuff's painful man you let it go too far man and it don't take much it don't take long because there's only thin walls apart down there between everything, and it don't take long for that stuff to jump. And uh, you just once a year, twice a year, you get your PSA, man. Um, but it's really important to not not let that macho or let the fear get in the way. Um, right. you know, simple screening and a blood test, and um, we can certainly get behind that message because that's a big part of why we do this podcast, even around sexual dysfunction, because that too is so common and. You know, even using the words sexual dysfunction, I think it's almost, you know, it's a part of, you know, something that's going to happen to many men over the mm-hmm. lifespan. And, you know, being able to be um, more forthcoming about that and to be able to talk about it openly, I think, opens the doors to um, better treatments, better outcomes for other men to be able to reach out, seek help, get screening, uh, get the proper care. And, and improve the quality of life for everybody. Um, I totally agree, Mark. Totally agree. Uh, one thing I would like to say about Haifu uh, is that um, you can have it more than once. You can have it done 
more than once. It doesn't, it's not a one-shot deal. I mean, if they just burn a little bit out and you get cancer, it comes back and you detect it soon enough, you could do it again. Got it. You're saying that might go into just the management of you know prostate cancer if it recurs. So that it's possible mm. to go through this treatment again. That's yes, yes. Do you have it? Uh, I'm told that it could be uh, two or three more times that uh, if you have a recurrence of this, depending on where it is, of course, and how early it's detected, you can have HIFU or uh, the laser. Uh, I suppose whenever it's ready, you can have do it more than you can do as, as many times as needed until there's no more prostate there or cancer. Got it. And that's that, that kind of goes back to, again, the, the post prostate cancer diagnosis and treatment, you still have routine screening uh, to make sure that nothing yes. is recurring or growing back. Um, yes. Obviously, if you've had your prostate removed, there's far less concern of a recurrence um, or a, a grow back, um, which one of the advantages of uh, taking the prostate out over the other treatments, but I think it carries some potential um, unwanted side effects for some men. And this is, again, a decision that every man really should should make um, with their provider, with their doctor, as well as taking into um, a whole number of factors, not just the biological and the medical, but also the um, psychological and relational factors um, in terms of how things are going to be impacted. Uh, Shane, Shane, if I had to ask you for, you know, a piece of advice for our listeners who may be hesitant about screening, who may be still in that mindset of I'm on the younger side, I'm healthy, I'm okay. I don't really need to screen for prostate cancer or I don't really need to see my doctor. What would you say to these men? I would tell them that they need to change their mindset that, uh, in the past, it was real. It was macho to do that kind of thing. It's a manly thing. You you were tough. You didn't need to be you see a doctor because you were never sick. Uh, and maybe that's true. Back 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 in the day, you were a lot tougher. However, we deal with a, a really bad supply of food in this nation that creates lots of cancers and everything you can imagine. Everybody, we deal with a huge amount of environmental pollution, especially when I live in New Orleans at the end of the Mississippi River. And we have air pollution and noise pollution, like all of this stuff stresses the body and can cause immuno responses such as cancer can start from all of this. Pay attention to what you eat. Don't think that you're not, that you don't need a test. It's a blood test. It's nothing to it. You can get, I've I've read stories of uh, men getting it as early as 24 years old. Okay. Right. HIFU. We'll take care of it if if it's if it's a candidate for it, if you don't let it go too far. Uh, watch what you eat. Try not to uh, ingest too many of the fats, and uh, try not to eat so much meat because that's just it's just real bad for you. Eat more vegetables and grains. Keep your keep your arteries unclogged, and uh, uh, you know uh, fight for air pollution uh, in your in your community. Make sure that uh, you have clean air to breathe. All of these things. Yeah, there's no yeah. bodies. Yeah, there's no question that environmental factors. And, um, you know, what we consume can all have an impact. And even in the healthiest environments and even, you know, people who eat yes. right, uh, these things can absolutely still happen, even at, at, at pretty uh, significant and high rates. Um, and sure, it's also- the DNA and genetics, yes, because I, I, I eat a vegan diet. So mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I still got prostate cancer. So, uh, you know, the, you have genetics, you have DNA. Uh, 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 issues and uh and then environmental issues as well 
Yeah. So it sounds like you're saying though that men should really kind of change that mindset, recognize that um, we're all vulnerable. We're all vulnerable. It's all, it's all, all these things are possible in any of our lives. And again, it sounds like it's a simple test that if you are going in as part of your routine to see the doctor, it's probably part of just a a routine test to make sure everything is okay. Um, There really is no good reason anymore to avoid the doctor. Certainly if you you have access to health insurance and access to healthcare, going in for that routine visit can make be the difference between life and death. You got to take care of yourself. And, uh, and one thing men, uh, I, I like to let them know is that we're all in this every damn one of us out here. So we're like, a, we're like a big group and we're here to support each other. I, I think we're all brothers together in this. And, and it doesn't matter what your skin color is, what your ethnic background is, what your religion is, whatever. Um, but this is a man thing. And, and, uh, and I'm telling you, man, it, it's not a stigma. It's not a, anything to be ashamed of to go get a PSA test, get a blood test. And that's all it is. Yeah, that's a really important message. And I think I'm going to leave our listeners with that, that um, nobody needs to be too macho uh, to get a blood test to get checked out because there are great options out there, certainly with early detection to really protect um, you know, sexual health, mental health, overall well-being going through prostate cancer treatment. Again, Shane, thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate your time and I appreciate the message that you have to deliver to our listeners. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit ErectionIQ.com. That's ErectionIQ.com.